Welcome to Playing Big, a podcast about what it means to play big in life and in business, and about changing the world with big ideas and big action. I'm your host, Blaine Fyan, Chief Evangelist here at True Footage, and I'd like to welcome each and every one of you to Playing Big. Hopefully, you have all listened to the last episode where I introduced the first five wisdom keys of these 10, since I may reference some of those in this episode. However, even if you haven't listened to that one yet, you can still get some value from this episode because wisdom is wisdom. And there's no particular order in which one needs to consume or apply wisdom. So although I have an order to these, these 10 wisdom keys, take them in any order you wish. Just be sure to take them to heart, of course, and to apply them. That's the point of sharing these wisdom keys with everybody. Now, with that being said, let's pick up where we left off with the last episode and let's go right into the sixth wisdom key, because I did the first five in the last episode. We're doing six through 10 in this one. So the sixth wisdom key, when you want something you've never had, you must be willing to do something you've never done. When you want something you've never had, when you want some kind of experience, when you want some thing, when you want some type of relationship, whatever it is, you must be willing to do something you've never done. Now, again, sometimes wisdom sounds like no duh. Some of you will say that. It's a no-brainer, Blaine. We've all heard this wisdom in one form or another, but the number of people applying it in their lives is staggeringly low. There are lots of platitudes we hear throughout our lives, and many of them are just that. They're empty platitudes. They have essentially no substance behind them. These wisdom keys, however, have been tested and distilled over literally thousands of years, and they've just been reworded to make sense for maybe a 21st century mind and ear. I speak with professionals every day asking the same questions and facing the same kinds of problems. Some of them are technical problems. Some of them are issues, challenges, things to to, to try to work through in a specific industry. And some of them are existential problems. Some of them are personal. Some of them are relationship-based. As you all know, doesn't matter the industry, doesn't matter the business, changes abound not just in our, the appraisal industry, the real estate industry, the mortgage industry, but in every industry. And if you listen to the first five wisdom keys, number three of those wisdom keys was that the secret to your future is hidden in something you do daily, your daily routine. What we do daily is what we are always in the state of becoming. Do something habitually over an extended period of time and it becomes not just what you do, but who you are. We're constantly in a state of becoming. The way it's said from a brain standpoint is the neurons that fire together in your brain also then wire together. And if they fire together, they wire together and then a new pathway is born in the brain. Do something over and over and over and a new neural pathway is born. And when that new pathway is born, it eventually becomes a well-worn path if it's done habitually meaning it becomes a habit. And once the pattern or the habit is created, the daily activation of that habit eventually becomes part of your personality. That's what habits and what we do habitually eventually turn into. And when something becomes part of your personality, meaning you do it over and over and over, and then it becomes an action, it becomes something part of who you are, and then becomes part of your personality. When it becomes part of your personality, it then becomes part of your personal reality. That is the progression of things. And we've talked about this many times before. For most people, including myself, each consecutive day is merely a continuation of the prior day. Some habits and patterns are positive. 
some maybe not so much. But what you do today most likely will look eerily similar to what you did yesterday on a grand scale. Human beings are creatures of pattern and familiarity. We seek patterns, we crave familiarity. It's a survival instinct and it's hardwired into our DNA. And this pattern seeking that's built into us, that's hardwired into us, is it, it leads us to a search for comfort and familiarity of routine and a fair amount of certainty about what is up ahead for us. That's why we do it. It's a survival instinct. And if we don't know what's up ahead in any given situation, what do most people do? Well, most people turn back to look for a more familiar path that offers more certainty. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Again, it's a survival instinct. It just means that most people will live each day like they've lived the last 364 or more days because those, you know, surviving one day gives us some clues to maybe how to survive the next. And so we build in habits and patterns and we go, well, what I did yesterday worked, so why don't I just repeat it today? We don't think consciously that, but that's what our brain does. The problem is it leads to comfort. We're going to be talking about comfort in a couple of these, specifically the last one. But if you're always seeking comfort and familiarity, you're always going to get what you've always gotten up to now. And again, maybe you haven't thought about it this way, but each day more or less looks like the last with some variation, some variability. So this wisdom key says when you want something you've never had, you've got to be willing to do something that you've never done and you have to walk paths that you may never have walked before. You've probably all heard this saying, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It's very common. So why would anybody expect life or business to change for the better if you do the same things over and over? Conversely, we could say, well, why, why would you expect it to, to, to get better, life, business, relationships, whatever, if you're doing the same things, same negative things over and over and over? Negative things rarely lead to positive things. If you want something you've never had, you've got to be willing to do something you've never done before. What is that thing or things for you? What is that thing or things for your business? What is that thing or things for your family? What is that for the world? What habits and patterns will you have to break in order to experience something different? Wisdom key number three that I mentioned in the last episode reminds us that the secret to our future is hidden in something we do daily. The, this wisdom key expands on that, number six, and says, when you find that thing, whatever that thing is in your daily routine or things that might be holding you back or taking you in a particular direction, we might not label it good or bad, positive or negative, but we look at something. I talked about the arc of activity in the last episode. The arc of activity is just essentially if you plotted it out on a graph and you went, well, if I do this today, I eat chocolate chip cookies today and I eat chocolate chip cookies on Thursday and then on Saturday. And so you will see the arc of that activity and where it will land in different categories. Maybe your weight, well, probably negative. Your health, uh, probably negative. Uh, I don't know if there's anything good that comes out of the arc of activity of eating chocolate chip cookies every two days. Conversely, if you do something positive, like upping your water intake or working out or something like that, you'll see that arc of activity over a six-month or one-year period will be in a positive direction. So this wisdom key expands on that whole daily routine thing. The secret to your future is hidden in your daily routine. So when you can identify what that thing is that might be holding you back or taking you in a particular direction, now we have information. Now we need to be willing to do something different from that thing, and it might just be something that you've never done before. So if you find yourself saying, well, I don't know how to do that. 
I see this thing I know I need to do, but I don't know how to do that. Or where do I even begin? Those are good signs, my friends. Those are signs that you're probably over the target and positive change is right around the corner, but you have to do something. That's number six. The seventh wisdom key, what you respect and appreciate, you will attract. What you don't respect or don't appreciate, you will repel. Now, some of these wisdom keys, they're somewhat complex. They need some deeper explanation and kind of storytelling to give them context. Some of these are simple and straightforward. This one, I would say, is is fairly simple and fairly straightforward. What we respect and appreciate, we become attractive and magnetic to. Now, for some of you, that might be, you might not like the language, attractive and magnetic. I don't care. What you don't respect and appreciate will move away from you. It's just that simple. Now, I hesitate with this one a bit because for many, when it comes to human relationships, this isn't always true. There are many instances when we linger among people who don't appreciate and respect us. So somebody could come along and say, well, Blaine, that's, that's not true. I've been treated with disrespect all my life. Those people are still around. There are instances where we remain and we shouldn't remain. If you look around at the people whom you interact with the most, whether that be the, uh, your family, your friends, your coworkers, there is a good chance that every one of us, myself included, can pick out one or two people that we can honestly say have little to no respect for us and or they don't appreciate who we are or maybe what we do for them and what we've brought to the relationship. And yet they remain. Shame on us. There might be some reason, right? Like family. You can't get rid of family. You can only maybe put boundaries around your interactions with them. Now, what this wisdom key reminds us of is that everything and everyone in our lives is an educational opportunity and a mirror being held up to us in order for us to see our own issues. When we identify somebody in our lives that doesn't respect or appreciate us, for whatever reason, it is an opportunity for us to ask the question of ourselves, this can be difficult. What is it about me that allows this person or, or why am I allowing this person to remain in my circle? Because it takes its radical responsibility. It takes the blame off somebody else and it puts us squarely on us where we get to ask, what is it about me that allows this person to remain? Why am I okay with this individual not respecting or appreciating me? What need or desire within me is keeping this individual or this situation firmly planted. Why are they still around? Remember wisdom key two from last week. It says, never complain about what you're willing to permit or allow. If you're allowing people who don't respect or appreciate you to remain in your circle or have access to you, well, that's on you, not on them. So let's flip this one on to you. What you don't respect and appreciate will eventually move away from you. And conversely, what you respect and appreciate will eventually make its way to you. You become attractive and magnetic to that which you respect and appreciate. If you, let's use a very common one. If you don't respect money, for example, and this is a real tough one for for a lot of people because they go, I respect money. I want it. I want it. I want it. And then when we dig deeper on whether or not they've got an abundance mindset or a lack mentality, we find that those who profess to, to respect and appreciate, say, money, often have a very lack mindset. Well, there's not enough to go around and they hate rich people and they see a fancy car and they go, oh, well, that must be a a horrible rich person. Well, my friends, that is a lack mentality and that is definitely uh, not respecting or appreciating 
the freedoms from that can come from those resources. So if you don't respect money, and I would recommend you dig deep into your psyche, your emotions to figure out what your, your true feelings. By the way, I can tell you what your thoughts and feelings are about money by looking at your wallet or your purse or your bank account, by the way. Because what we experience on the outside is just a manifestation of what we think and feel on the inside. So if you don't respect it, you will always find a way to have it slip through your hands, so to speak. You might come into it, but it will always leave you. You'll never have enough of it. You'll never be happy with the things that you acquire when using it. If you don't respect and appreciate time, as another resource example, you'll always be wasting it. You'll never have enough of it. If there's somebody in your life that you have little to no respect for or that you don't appreciate fully, eventually that person will move further and further from you. It doesn't mean they pack up their stuff and they move out. It just means over time, whether it's emotionally, conversationally, friendships start to wane, whatever it is. When you don't respect and appreciate it, things move away. If it's somebody you don't respect or appreciate and they continue to hang around, well, what happens then? You end up having less respect for them for not having the guts to tell you to piss off. That's the irony. What you respect and appreciate, you will attract more of. What you don't will eventually move away from you. That's the seventh wisdom key. The eighth wisdom key, it's not just about the income. It's also about the equity. It's not just about the income. It's also about the equity. What is equity? Well, in simple terms, we're, we're talking primarily to appraisers and real estate and mortgage people. Equity is the difference between what you owe on something and the value of that thing to the market. In real estate, uh, your equity is the difference between what the house is worth in an open and competitive market and what you owe on the mortgage, essentially. However, equity can also be an individual's ownership stake in something. You can have equity in a company in the form of shares of ownership, and those shares might be positive, they might be negative on any given day. I just looked at my investment account, and there's a bunch that are negative. Uh, for those of you who know about investing, when you trust in something and the stock is down, well, that's those are called opportunities to buy. Dollar average into the to the stock. But many of them are negative. Equity can also be an unknown or intangible thing, like goodwill. If you've ever purchased a company or, or heard about how companies are valued, there's something called goodwill. Um, and goodwill is that intense called an intangible asset. It's the intangible thing that uh, that contributes to the value of something because of, say, its brand, its uh, awesome, awesome customer or client service, maybe some intellectual property, or maybe it's a propri proprietary system or way of doing things that can be referred to or lumped into the category on a on an accounting statement as goodwill. Now, while most people tend to focus on how much they will be paid for something. Smart money looks at the equity side of things as well. Taking an equity-based approach to life and to business is to focus on what is being built, what value is be cre being created for yourself and for others, and what future value something might have if real problems are being solved, if the market perceives value in that thing, and somebody's life is getting better as a result. There's future, there's equity there. Now, don't get this one wrong. I, I'm not saying not to get paid for what you do, nor am I saying that you shouldn't also be paid what you're worth. This is a constant, non-going argument in the appraisal world, 
We're not being paid what we're worth. However, sometimes, many times, that's not something you can control. The market gets to determine what something is worth, essentially, which leaves a lot of people disappointed and complaining. Again, appraisers complain about this one all the time. We're being paid what we were paid back in the 1980s. The fees are going down, not up, and so on and so forth. Now, this view, in my opinion, comes from a purely income-based mindset, where the only thing that's being calculated is income today, money in my hand today. But what about equity tomorrow? What about the value you're creating by improving your systems and your processes? What is the value you're creating in the market by having, say, killer client service better than anybody else or a proprietary system or way of doing things? What about the equity that's being created to almost guarantee a future financial return by giving more than the cost of your product or service? What is the future value of building an audience of raving fans? If you always focus only on the income, the today money we call it, you will lose sight of the opportunity to increase your equity or the sometimes intangible value created from doing more than what is expected or paid for. It's called creating market value. I am suggesting merely that you have an equity-based mindset because having an equity-based mindset is to shift the thinking from transactional to relational. It's to recognize that when you always and only focus on income, your time is simply being traded for dollars. Well, I'm going to do this and you're going to pay me X and you're trading your time for money. If your mentality is that an hour of my time today is worth X, $100, and you have to pay me $100 today or else I won't do it, you'll always miss opportunities to create exponentially exponential equity value later on. Now, of course, there are times to be paid today in cash. And there are times to see that the, the opportunities that lie in creating more value in the future. There's a very fa a now famous story from the uh, world of pop culture. The rapper 50 Cent was offered a rather large sum of cash for most people to endorse vitamin water. If you haven't heard this story, you're welcome. Just look it up on Google. However, when offered the cash, $5 million, I heard, Instead, believing in himself, his own personal brand, and the quality of this particular product, he traded his endorsement fee, or some portion of it, for roughly a 5% stake in the company. Glasso is the name of the company. Well, then, a couple years later, May of 2007, Coca-Cola bought the company that owned Vitamin Water for $4.1 billion, making 50 cents equity stake worth somewhere between $50 million and $100 million after taxes. Those numbers might be up for debate, but it's somewhere in between there. So he, could have, he traded $5 million of today money for a 5% equity stake in the company, which is called tomorrow money. He was betting on himself. He was betting on the brand. He was betting on the product. He was betting on something. Ultimately, he was betting on himself. That's called the equity mindset. That equity mindset is what allows us to step back and look at something called opportunity cost, which essentially asks, what else could I spend this hour, this dollar, this mental output, my creativity, this idea time, or this particular resource, whatever that might be, and that might net more than the today dollars or whatever medium a potential return might come in. Are there opportunities to trade actual dollars today for something more valuable in the future? Absolutely. The, the question is rhetorical. I don't need you to answer. 
They're all around us. You just have to shift your mindset from just income to both income and equity. Now, to appraisers specifically, I talk about this all the time. Having $100, $1,000, $10,000 hours. Because there are things that you are doing. All time is not created equal. There are things you do during your day that you can calculate very easily. Well, that's a $10 an hour task. That's a $50 an hour task. When I work on this stuff, it's $150 hour tasks. But even then we can get what's called myopic. You, you, you have walls that are built up around your vision and you think, well, okay, let's get rid of the $10 an hour tasks so I can always focus on the 50, 100, $150 per hour tasks. And then somebody calls and goes, hey, would you mind coming to speak to our office of real estate and mortgage professionals uh, for two hours next week. And you go, are you crazy? I'm working on hundred dollar per hour tasks, man. I don't have time to do that stuff. That's the problem because that's future money. That's future activity. That's building your network, which we're going to talk about in one of the wisdom keys. You go spend two hours solving problems, answering important questions and creating perception and goodwill in the minds of an office full of, of professionals, you might not walk away with today money unless you charge for your time. I don't recommend doing that. You walk away with future, with equity being built. Most won't do it. Almost every time I go speak to an office or an organization um, on behalf of, of the appraisal company, it's easily a $10,000 hour, sometimes a $50,000 hour. Now that money may not come for many months, maybe a year but it comes in terms of goodwill, networking, referrals, and eventually business. That's called having an equity mindset. That's the eighth wisdom key. The ninth wisdom key, let's just talk about your network. We just talked about it in the eighth wisdom key. The quality of your network will grow when you do. The quality of your network grows when you grow. Now, I just talked about it in the eighth wisdom key. I've talked extensively about networking, the idea of, of digging your, well, we've got a whole course called Digging Your Well Before You're Thirsty. We stole that from Harvey McKay, the swim with, with the sharks guy. He wrote a book called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. However, there is a difference between networking activities like mixers and networking events and happy hours and actually building a million dollar network. One of them's a verb, networking, and one of them's a noun. Actually having a network is something you work for and you build with sweat and you value it as a form of capital. Your network can be built by, of course, doing networking activities. That's how you can meet people, add, add cards to the proverbial Rolodex, so to speak. But a true network is built based on the prior wisdom keys, respecting other people's time, their efforts, their professions, doing something you've never done before, uh, never complaining about what you're willing to accept or permit, seeing everybody as a teacher, celebrating people, people's differences and not their similarities, solving bigger problems than anybody else, um, adding value above and beyond the cost of your product or service, helping other people get theirs before you get yours, and so on. It's all based on wisdom. A network built on these principles is a rock solid network of people that will move mountains to make happen for you what you have made happen for others. By the way, those are called raving fans. People who are such fans of what you do, they will move mountains to get something done for you if you were to ask. When you treat your network as a whole separate relationship that deserves your time, your respect, your love, and your effort, it will grow exponentially faster than your individual growth in some cases. However, it will always be stunted by your personal growth. It's been said that the greatest human desire 
is to be in connection and relationship with another human being. And when you know that and you do life and business with that mindset, word spreads. Because you recognize that whoever you're talking with, whoever you're in communion, connection, and fellowship with, that's the greatest human desire. Treat them with respect and love and care and compassion and concern. When we've been treated well and somebody looks out for our best interest, we want to tell other humans about that person or that business. It's called Google reviews or Yelp. It is an innate survival behavior to spread the word about what is safe and what is beneficial for others in our tribe. It's also survival behavior to spread the word when we don't feel safe, when we feel we've been taken advantage of, when we've been wronged, when we've been harmed, when we've been hurt or treated unfairly in some way. Build and nurture your network. One of the dig your well principles that I teach is that your income will be in direct proportion to the size and the quality of your network. And this wisdom key, number nine, also connects with the last one in that your network relates directly with the equity mindset. Not that you consider your network only in terms of how much it's worth, but you recognize that a wide and powerful network allows you to get stuff done for others. Meaning the more people I know, the more problems I can listen for and say, I have somebody in my network who can solve that problem for you. So you have a, a, a wide and powerful network that can get things done for others at a much greater capacity than if you don't have those connections. When you think more about the future value you're building with your network, instead of just today income that it can provide, you are building something real and it will grow in proportion to how much you grow. All right, my friends, here we are. We've arrived. The 10th wisdom key. Here it is. Comfort is a trap. Become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Comfort is a trap. Watch out for it. Become comfortable with being uncomfortable. This wisdom key, for me anyway, it's one that I wake up with every morning. It's the one that gets me out of bed around usually between 4 and 4.30 every morning to begin writing, studying, researching, meditating, and exercising. And when I have talked about before my, my garage gym, which is a, a detached garage from my house, when I am walking from my house out to my garage at 6.30 or 7 a.m., and it's three degrees below zero, I am telling myself, this is what it's all about. It's about being comfortable with the discomfort and recognizing that through intentional discomfort, it's kind of a stoic uh, phrase, intentional discomfort, but from intentional dis discomfort comes some level of freedom. And again, this wisdom key, it's something of a nod to the great stoic and Zen masters who frequently told us that the decline, decline is always chasing us. Decay is always upon us. It's always nipping at our heels. If we give in, like laying in bed or laying on the couch or taking it easy, we've given up and then decline wins. Decay takes over. There's some kind of false wisdom floating around that one of the benefits of, say, attaining financial freedom is the ability to live the good life, which entails, at least in the movies, drinking good champagne, eating high-quality caviar, and walking around in a silk smoking jacket, and taking it easy. And while I will never judge somebody for wanting those things in life or for striving for an easier life, I would lean more towards the wisdom of those who figured a few things out in this regard. And it's that life can be a difficult endeavor at times. And the more one practices and trains for being comfortable with discomfort, the more discomfort gives contrast to pleasure and comfort. 
That's the irony. The more comfortable you become with discomfort, the better comfort feels when you, when you partake. This means that the more one undertakes intentional discomfort-inducing activities, the greater comfort feels, and it becomes almost like a dessert. Comfort, much like a paycheck, this has been said, is a drug that far too many people seek. Becoming comfortable with discomfort simply means to recognize that decay and decline is nature's way of removing weakness from the system. Comfort eventually leads to decay and to decline. Now, I'm not saying that when you sit down on the couch after a long day or you crawl into bed at the end of the day that you shouldn't be comfortable. We all seek comfort in that way. It's not what this wisdom key is referring to. Being comfortable with discomfort is simply a call to keep pushing the bar of discomfort up on the scale so that we're always one step ahead of decline and atrophy. Don't use a muscle for some period of time and what happens? It atrophies. That muscle gets weak. Don't use your brain in a taxing way for some period of time and the connections start to wither and die. They atrophy. Don't push your cardiovascular system beyond its current capabilities and it sets the new level lower than before. Why? Because you're telling it that it is not needed to perform at any higher level. That's decline. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable for some period of time every single day in whatever form that may take for you. Read on information and topics you wouldn't normally consume. Push your brain. Do things with your body that you haven't done before. Undertake travel and moves in life, maybe in business, that scare you a little bit. Take an assessment of your life and ask yourself, where have I become comfortable and where could I begin to introduce a little bit of discomfort? So there they are, my friends, 10 wisdom keys for life and business. I hope I've been able to add some value for you and that some of these wisdom keys spark something in you. Remember, time is our most valuable currency and it must be invested wisely to get the greatest return. So until next week, my friends, I'm out.